from themillenniummarketplace.com, this is the Wi-Fi Work Ethic Podcast, hosted by me, Haley Alicia. During this show, you will hear business trends and news, interviews with awesome entrepreneurs, and learn success mindset practices. This podcast was created with the goal of sharing how you can create your dream life with two things, a Wi-Fi connection and work ethic. If you are obsessed with all things online business and entrepreneurship and how the internet has changed the definition of success like I am, this show is for you. Find this show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and at themillennialmarketplace.com. All right, let's get started. Wi-Fi work ethic. Today I'm going to be sharing an article that I really loved a lot of things about. Um, The title is The Fearless Entrepreneur is a Myth, Why You Don't Have to Take Risks to Build a Successful Business. Um, And I first of all that title just I gravitated towards it because this is something I struggle with as I'm trying to find my own path in entrepreneurship is this aspect of being fearless. You hear a lot of stories of entrepreneurs and even some of the people I've interviewed that they just went for it and they had no fear and just whatever the risk was, it was worth it. I know a lot of you aren't like that. I'm not like that. I I am not a risk taker at all. I was actually just in Vegas last weekend and I would walk by the slot machines and think, wow, Haley, if you just put a couple dollars in, you could potentially win a lot of money. But then I would look over to the food court and say, let's pretend there's two there's two Haley's on my shoulders, right? The risk-taking one and the safe one. And then the safe one would say, oh, but look over there. You can just go buy yourself a nice, delicious meal with that money. And you know that you'll be satisfied at the end of it. Or you can go to that slot machine and potentially lose your 10 bucks right? That's how my brain works. I, I'm not a risk taker at all. I always play it safe. You know, I do have my moments. This podcast, for example, this was something I was very afraid to do and I did take the risk. I did jump in feeling, I felt the fear and did it anyway. I'm not saying I never take risks and that I always let my fear win. I don't, and I don't, let's see, I don't let my fear win ever, right? But I feel fearful a lot. So, with all that to say, I really wanted to read this article because that title got my attention, right? And so you'll hear in the article, he brings up so many good points, and then after I read it, um, I'll talk about it a little more. So, here's the article. Okay, so like always, this article will be in the show notes, so you can check it out for yourself. It was written by Atakin Tank, founder of JotForm.com. And it looks like it was posted on July 23rd. The fearless entrepreneur is a myth. Why you don't have to take risks to build a successful business. When I was a kid, I worked at my cousin's gift store. I was so bored during those long, hot summers, I didn't even ask him to pay me. But one day I had a brilliant idea. I would go into the hills, pick figs from local gardens, and sell them to tourists. I shared this plan with my cousin. That's a terrible idea, he said, shaking his head. 
Everyone will ask where you got them from. You'll just be a thief. It was my first business idea, and it failed before it even started. Many people believe that successful entrepreneurs are born to take risks. Either you were an eight-year-old with a lemonade stand, or you don't have the right stuff. As the late Victor Kiem, the former president of Remington and owner of the New England Patriots, once said, Entrepreneurs are risk-takers, willing to roll the dice with their money or reputation on the line in support of an idea or enterprise. I disagree. I'm not fearless, and I don't take risks. In fact, not being a risk-taker has enabled me to build a business with over 110 employees, has allowed my startup JotForm to serve nearly 4 million users, explained why I still own 100% of my business, and underlies our great company culture. To understand what I mean, let me share my story and how my experiences can strengthen your business too. Number one, learn on someone else's dime and time. In a 2015 study, 72% of U.S. high school students said they wanted to start a business. Over 60% plan to start their business right out of college. That's a lot of teenagers moving straight from the classroom to hopefully the boardroom, and for some, it's the right step. I also think there's so much to learn before leaping into entrepreneurship. When I was in college, I built a membership tool for a student organization. I thought other people might also want to use it, so I realized it as an open source product. So I released it as an open source product. Eventually, people started paying me for customizations. I was thrilled to earn money doing work I loved, so I spent the winter break of my senior year building a paid version. When that product started to bring in real cash, I was hooked. I knew I would start a business, but before taking any risk, I would find a full-time job and learn on someone else's dime and time. So, I spent five years writing code for a New York media company. I learned so much during that time from work process to collaboration to management styles to how gossip travels through organizations. All those experiences still help me today, and I gained the knowledge risk-free. With my salary paid, I could keep building my product in the off hours. Only my time and energy were on the line. Bottom line, to build a successful business, you don't have to take risks. You can learn on someone else's dime and time first. Building your business on the side can relieve real financial pressure. And if you work full or part-time, you can apply what you learn to your business. Just try to do something, even if it's a volunteer position, that hones your skills and deepens your knowledge. For example, if you want to launch an online publication, try to get inside an editorial department or do media sales. Number two, use what you have. MailChimp, Linda, Shopify, GoFundMe, Tough Mudder, Shutterstock. What do these companies have in common? They were all bootstrapped into multi-million dollar valuations, even if they later took funding. The startup world gets so buzzy about VC money that it's easy to forget about bootstrapping. It's not always possible, but for many people, it's a great option. When you bootstrap your idea, you can take time and stay in the driver's seat without any pressure from investors. Take me as an example. I saw the need for online web forms while I was working in New York, but I didn't leave my job until my side product consistently earned more than my paycheck. After I quit, I spent six months building JotForm. I realized the free version in 2000, I released the free version in 2006, and it was a true MVP. It only had basic functions. I wanted to see if people would like it or use it. 
If it failed, I'd only invested six months of my time and energy, and I still had the side product income to keep me afloat. I leveraged what I had. Once I hired our first employee, we spent another year building the premium version. By the end of 2007, we had 500 paying customers. Over the last 12 years, we've continued to grow from that foundation. We have no debt, and we've never taken a penny in outside investment. Bottom line, use the resources you have no matter how modest they are. It's amazing what's possible when you identify a problem and solve it for others. Also, take your time. Don't worry about hockey stick growth charts or press coverage. Keep working, keep learning, and be patient. Perseverance will take you far. Number three, concentrate on one thing at a time. Focus is a magical word. Focus is a magical word. It's also the secret to sustainable growth. As author and consultant Chris Zook explains, at first blush, narrowing the focus to grow sounds almost counterintuitive. But just as plants often must be cut back to concentrate their energy on fewer, stronger branches, so too, businesses must be pruned to counter their tendency to branch out more than they should. In some ways, JotForm is a boring company. We create online forms. But we try to do it really, really well. It's all we do, and we're constantly trying to improve how we serve our customers. I know that might sound like marketing 101 or a generic PR line. Yet, it can be surprisingly difficult to focus on one thing, especially when you start to gain traction. New opportunities pop up. Everyone has endless and often contradictory ideas about what you should do next. That's when you have to get ruthless and stay the course. Bottom line, maintain your focus. Go deeper, not broader. If you try to do many different things, your time and energy is fragmented. The risks You risk the success of your core idea. I'm not saying you shouldn't evolve or listen to the market, but try not to get distracted. A singular focus is a smart way to avoid risk. Number four, remember that fat, remember that cash flow is queen. Quarterly earnings, tax brackets, user acquisition rates, page views, market reach. These are all important details. Every business has to pay taxes and track key numbers. I've always worked with an accountant, but until recently I managed our cash flow. Here's what I look for. Is our bank account growing? I don't mean to undermine real and potential and potentially valuable cash flow analysis systems, but sustainable growth can be this simple. Are you profitable? Are you earning more than you spend? Is the money in your bank account increasing, staying the same, or decreasing? Some companies make three-year sales predictions and hire or fire staff based on those numbers. I've never had that mindset. Maybe we could have grown a lot faster, but I've never been stressed about money. I usually sleep well at night. Our sales typically increase by 50% every year. That's how we've achieved steady growth. And I still won't hire a new employee unless we have a full year of their salary in the bank. There's no risk involved. Bottom line, your growth depends on your revenue. Don't increase your team or expenses until your sales rise. Watch your cash flow and work within your means. Number five. Remember your roots. In 2010, Ali Webb opened Dry Bar, a hair salon that only offers wash and blow dry services. Today, Dry Bar has over 100 locations across the U.S. and Canada. The company has faced tough competition, but they've succeeded by providing an exceptional experience for everyone who visits. Like I mentioned above, they focus on one thing and do it really, really well. 
Most importantly, Drybart hasn't strayed from its core mission, as Webb told Liz Welch, Liz Welch in a story for Inc. Many investors have said, we have this captive audience. That's a huge opportunity to sell, sell a lot of other things. I've always resisted that, and I think it resonates. Our clients know that they're not going to be pitched or bombarded by our stylists to buy products. It's hard to be really great at a lot of things. I love Webb's approach. Our company is all about design and development. We're obsessed with improving the product, not selling it. Over the years, we may have missed out on opportunities, but we've always stayed true to our purpose. Growing slowly, avoiding risks, and focusing on the customer has also influenced our company culture. In the early years, there were less than five of us in the office, so we spent the whole day together. We worked on the same projects and spoke the same language. We're a lot bigger now, but we've maintained a culture where everyone cares deeply about the product. We share the same goal. We know why, we, we know why we're coming to work every day. Bottom line, grow and evolve, but don't lose sight of your purpose. And remember that purpose doesn't have to start with a capital P. Ali Webb wanted to give women an affordable yet luxurious styling service. That's still what her company does today. Number six, always share your work. According to developer and entrepreneur Jason Roberts, the amount of serendipity you experience is directly proportional to the degree to which you do something that you're passionate about combined with the total number of people to whom this is effectively communicated. He calls this your luck surface area. In other words, you can create and grow your own luck. I learned this the hard way. In 2010, we decided to overhaul our form builder, which is the heart of the product. We spent a full year perfecting it behind closed doors. We fussed and fixated and built something we thought was amazing. When we finally released it, our users were en enraged. The product was littered with bugs. We had broken the tool they relied on for their work, the organizations, and even their hobbies. We listened closely and soon fixed our mistakes. Our team worked night and day to make it right and to make it up to our customers. Once the dust settled, I realized that working without feedback had been a major risk. It was probably the biggest risk I've ever taken. We immediately switched to a conscious improvement model, continuous improvement model. Now our team makes changes, tests them with real customers, adjusts, and release. We do this weekly and sometimes even daily. Bottom line, continuous improvement reduces your risk. Sharing what you're building also increases your luck surface area. So don't work in a vacuum. Let your customers, users, or audience in on the process so you can keep improving. Follow your bliss. Wait, stay with me here. Notice that I didn't say follow your dreams. Other than my failed fig selling plan, I never dreamed of being an entrepreneur. I didn't imagine my face on the cover of a magazine or landing massive funding rounds. In truth, I had no idea how to raise capital. I didn't know what PR meant, and I've never been a risk taker. But I've always loved making things. I could lose myself for hours in a coding project. Back in 2006, I saw a need and the startup bug hit me. Quite honestly, being paid for my work pulled me into entrepreneurship. Looking back, if I hadn't started my company, I think I'd become a product manager for another organization. Writing code made me happy. That was my bliss, and it still is. So, please know that you don't have to be a fearless, risk-taking genius to create a successful business. You can move slowly, grow at your own pace, and learn as you go. Success and risk aversion can go hand in hand. Now, go do it your way. How awesome was that, right? 
one thing I particularly loved about this about what he said in this article, and I am going to remember for one day when I hopefully have my own company, is to not hire someone until you have their whole year's salary in your bank account. Now, this doesn't mean to pay them a year in advance. All this means is you're not going to have to be considering getting rid of this employee just because you might be having a slower quarter or your sales predictions weren't quite spot on. You know that this employee's um, employment with you only depends on their performance and how they are as an employee, and you, you don't have to live with that stress all the time. And hopefully one day one of my ventures turns into an actual company and I can hire people and I'm going to remember that. Another thing I loved is his the part about working for someone else. Now I know it can be such a bummer once you feel this entrepreneurial bug to work for someone else. But you know what? It's needed sometimes. And especially if you're like me and risk is scary and you want a paycheck. I like how he didn't just focus on the money part of it, but the learning part of it. It's so true. When you work inside of someone else's company, you are able to learn all the things you love about that company, all the things you don't like about that company, all the aspects of a good manager or a bad manager, and you're able to learn things along the way that you can take with you when you are able to be your own boss. And I think it's extremely important that when you are working for someone else, it's going to be hard because all you want to do is be your own boss. But when you are working for someone else, you still show up every day and do the best job that you can. And you do not slack and you do not, you don't not show up as your best self just because you eventually want to leave that company. You still need to be showing up every day, giving 100% for that company because at the end of the day, they are giving you a job. And hopefully you get to the point where you can leave that job and do your own thing. But while you're there, you need to do your best. And I especially love at the very end where he says success and risk aversion can go hand in hand. I think that once you get into this space of entrepreneurship, there's so many different messages and advice and people telling you, that you just have to go for it and go all in and just quit your job or it's never going to work. And that's just not true. This is just one example of how you can do it at your own way, go your own pace, take the risks that you feel comfortable with, or just go so conservative and comfortable. It's your business at the end of the day. You get to decide how you want to do it. And I just love seeing examples like this that make you remember that there's not one way to be an entrepreneur, and you can find what works for you. Again, link to this article will be in the show notes, so you can check it out for yourself. I hope you enjoyed um, this quick, well, I guess it wasn't very quick, but quicker than my other episodes, Um, and I hope to see you back here next Wednesday. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode and you know of someone whose entrepreneurial story should be shared or a topic you want me to talk about, please send them my way. I want to spread this cause and message to as many listeners as I can. And if you liked what you heard today, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds to leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I will be so forever grateful. 
The best way to never miss an episode is to hit subscribe wherever you are listening. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Wi-Fi Work Ethic and turn on your post notifications to never miss when we announce a new episode. You can find an archive of all of our episodes at themillennialmarketplace.com. And until the next episode, stay humble and hustle hard, my friends. Bye.